0: <laughs> Let's stand together. And we're going to talk about something a little somber today. It's, 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 uh, it's about deception. We've been, as Tom just sang, and as you've been here the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Be Not Deceived. We've dealt with four passages that began with the words, be not deceived. And the last one is, be not deceived by false Christ. Now, Jesus said this, and I want to read it. And um, let's see what Jesus said. Now it says later in Matthew twenty four three to five. Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately. So this is family business. The twelve are around him, and that's it—not the crowds. So please take note. This is to his followers. He said this. He they said they asked him, "Tell us what sign will be the sign of your coming." and of the end of the world. Everybody say, there's an end. Jesus replied, take heed that no one deceives you. For many are gonna come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they shall do what, everybody? And then Matthew 24, 24, you jump down a few verses. Jesus, again, goes into this and says, false Christ. And false prophets will rise. That's the second time in one chapter he said this. They're going to rise up and look what they're going to do. They're going to have supernatural or seeming supernatural power. They're going to show great signs and wonders to do what? Deceive, if possible, even the elect. And that's you. And that's me. So Jesus said, as my appearance, as my return draws near, I want you to know that one of the things you're going to see is a proliferation of false Christ, false prophets, and as I'm going to share with you in this message, also false ministers. And if they can do it, they're going to deceive you. So this is a warning from our Savior. So let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. You'll anoint your word, and we thank you for helping us to be discerning, wise, knowledgeable, mature, sharp, spiritually. Help us to understand your word and edify our faith and strengthen us against the hour to come. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, be not deceived. Well, I woke up this morning. Well, I kind of did. I heard Kathy say it's time and I opened my eyes and it was dark and I said, no, it's still dark. And she said, that's the new time, Jeff. And so I moaned and I woke up five minutes away from the building. I'm kidding, I was very awake. But I'll tell you, spring forward, spring break, spring weather, all in one weekend. I'm, I'm proud of you, give yourselves a hand. You made it with the time change. There's a lot of people waking up right now thinking it's 8.30. They're going, well, we better, we better hit. We, we always see them walk in and peek in and go, oh, I'm late. And they leave and come back in the second one. So I want you to notice the disciples came to Jesus and they wanted to know something that a lot of people want to know. What is the sign of the end? What will be the signs of the end of the world? Or if anybody knows, it ought to be you. Now, notice Jesus did not say there is no end of the world. He took their question in stride, knowing there is an end to life and the world and time as we have known it. And Jesus answered them. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, when his disciples had asked this question, was concerning religious deception. The first thing he was concerned about was his disciples and those that were to follow being deceived in religious deception. He said false Christs, false prophets, false teachers, false messages are going to arise before I return. Now, this passage can be interpreted in two ways, and I'm gonna give you both of them because I really do believe that it's a double-pronged message, and it can be interpreted both ways at the same time. First, it's clearly a warning that those there will be those who will arise who will say, literally, I am Christ. They will say, I am the Messiah. It's me. You've been looking for him. It's me. That's there. But now, secondly, I believe it warns of those who will come in his name saying, Jesus is the Christ, but they're using his name for their own gain and have never personally known him. Now Jesus is going to talk about that later uh, and I'm going to quote it uh, in this message. But you have people who will say I'm the Christ and you also have people who the Bible says in Jesus' own words, they will come in my name and they will say that I'm the Christ but they will not truly be my representatives. They will never have known me. Now I know that's strong but Hey, Jesus said it, so we need to quote it. Amen? Now, Paul the Apostle also warned, looking down the tunnel of time as a prophet, Paul said that in the last days there was going to be an all-out assault from hell to deceive people away from the real Christ and turn them to false Christ and false teachings. They will be persuasive. They will be convincing. They will be charismatic. They will be attractive. But they will not really be from God. He said, The Spirit clearly says that in later times or the last times, some will abandon the faith and they will follow deceiving spirits, demon spirits, deceiving spirits, and things taught by demons. So Satan is literally going to release spirits, and usually spirits get into a person. And through those demonic spiritual influences, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to those seducing spirits and to, to things that are literally taught by demons. Now, the word deceive, I've shared with you every week, but I want us to really understand it, is from a Greek word, planao, and it means to cause to go astray from truth, to deceive somebody by leading them into error, to wander away from the right path. So when Jesus said that there would come false Christ. If possible, to deceive the elect, he's saying there's going to be many counterfeit Christ and counterfeit ministers as my return draws near, and they are going to be. um, It's going to be in their heart. It's going to be. uh, They're going to be very persuasive, very compelling, and they will cause many to literally leave the path of righteousness and wander off into a deceptive path. I've certainly seen it happen to Christians many many times in my life and that's why I want our church to be very wise concerning these things the point is this Jesus said it so if Jesus said it we need to take note this prediction has been incredibly fulfilled before our very eyes in America particularly since the 1960s I've seen it happen in my lifetime in one generation we have witnessed a rapid rise of new-age thinking mysticism, cults, and various new forms of religion. It's happened in one generation. In 40 years, 50 years, it has come upon America. In my studies, I've seen that the accumulation of false Christs and false religions and false prophets is unprecedented in world history. I couldn't find another nation that experienced it as much as we have, as quickly as we have. Do you know that in the 20th century alone, 21 different false Christ, religious type figures sprang up literally claiming to be Jesus. In the 20th century, 21 of them, just like that. I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. It's me. Now, false Christ can be anything from annoying to lethal. And you know what? They're mainly lethal. Most of us remember, for instance, Jim Jones, the false Christ who led over 900 followers in Jonestown, Guyana, into suicide with promises of glory afterward. I will never forget seeing that mass of bodies on the ground, men, women, and children. How did they get there? A false Christ, a man who said, I am he. He filled their heads with false doctrine, and the warning of Jesus Christ was displayed in front of our eyes. He said, don't be deceived. Many false Christs and false prophets will arise. Then there was David Koresh who led men, women, and innocent children to their deaths in Waco, Texas, in his so-called apocalypse compound. I remember watching the television as that thing burned to the ground. It was so tragic. And yet, who was David Koresh? He had told his followers, I am Christ. I have the Word of God. No one has it like me, which is usually the the claim of a false messiah a false prophet or a false cult they always say i've got an inside track to truth that no one else has so if you want the real truth and the whole truth you need to come to me then there was sun mayung moon founder of the moonies cult what a lethal individual he was told his millions of followers literally he was quote lord of the universe told millions of followers i'm lord of the whole universe, and amazingly, millions believed him. One of the newest false Christ to come on the scene is a man named Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda. You may not have heard of him, but a lot of people have. He lives in Florida. He claims to be the second coming of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. He claims to be the second coming of Jesus. People are flocking to be part of his church from as many as 24 countries. And I've seen pictures of them. These are business executives, men and women, sharp, educated, successful. Yet this man has stood up. hes I guess he must be charismatic, convincing, persuasive. No doubt demon spirits are working through him. And they have come to him. And I read that they give their lives, they give their money, and they give anything else they can give. And how do they end up? In the end, they're disillusioned their faith is shattered, and their souls remain lost. And you know how deception like that happens? People who do not know their Bible. People who do not know their Bible. I know I'm a broken record here, but I'm going to tell you, church, we need to know more than you know, a verse a day to keep the devil away. We need to study this book. This is a library of God's word. 66 books of red hot word from God that never gets old, never grows stale. It's fresh manna every morning. It's the breakfast of champions. It is what God's children eat. And this word and this word alone will protect you from deception. And Jesus also warned of false prophets not just false Christ who would say, I am he, but false prophets who would come along and claim to speak for very God, but would in fact be deceivers. Remember back in 2011, not too long ago, when radio broadcaster and end of the world prognosticator Harold Camping predicted the world's end on October 21st. Do you remember that? probably the way you know is ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and MSNBC all hopped on it because they smelled something bad and they knew, hey, here's a chance for us to discredit Christianity. So they followed his prediction. And as those of us who knew our Bibles fully expected, the day passed with nary a sign of Armageddon and camping was discredited. And unfortunately, with him, Christianity was discredited. And then last year, You remember the ancient Mayans and a few North American self-proclaimed prophets had various dates in December passed for the end. And yet when the sun rose at the end of December and all was well, they too were discredited. I hope you weren't getting ready with the Mayan calendar because there's another calendar you need to be looking at. It's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself. And then here's one that is most concerning to me because I believe it's been the most successful, the New Age movement. Now, when I say the New Age movement, you may not know what that means. If I ask you to, to define it for me, you may not be able to because it's not easy to do. New Age has no single leader. There's no man or woman that stands at the head of New Age and says, I'm the representative of New Age. But it's a false teaching that presents a false Christ and a false hope. Nevertheless, let me try and define new age for you. New age is a worldview. It's the way people, it's the lens through which people view the world. It's a philosophy. It's a way of looking at life and God that has thoroughly permeated our culture. And it's even found its way into the church. I can tell you because I'm a pastor and I hear people in the church quote New Age jargon. Put simply, the New Age movement is a conglomeration of Eastern influ- or Eastern-influenced thought systems, theologies, hopes, and expectations all held together with an unbiblical mix of teaching on salvation, of correct thinking, and correct knowledge. It's a theology of feel-goodism, universal tolerance, and moral relativism. New Age is the ruling religion of America today. Political correctness is an offspring, it's a child of the New Age movement. Most people would tell you, well, I didn't know that I was New Age, but they are, because the thinking of it, the way of looking at life, Has been like leaven, leavening the whole lump of Western culture. And the Jesus presented in the Holy Bible, I want you to know today has no place in New Age. The New Age movement has its very own Bible. It's a book called A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds spiritual, sounds New Testament. But A Course in Miracles is allegedly new revelation. Anytime you ever hear the word new revelation, you need to turn around and run the other way. Because we don't need a new revelation. We just need to know really well the old revelation found in Scripture. But new revelation from, quote, Jesus, to help humanity work through our troubled times. You say, well, who did Jesus speak to? I'm glad you asked that. This Jesus, who bears no resemblance to the Bible's Jesus Christ, supposedly began delivering his channeled teachings in 1965 to a Columbia University professor of medical psychology by the name of Helen Schuchman. One ex-New Ager testified, quote, When I left the New Age Christ, To follow the Bible's Jesus Christ, I had come to understand that the Jesus of a course in miracles was a false Christ, and that his course in miracles was dangerously deceptive. You hear what she said? I was presented with a false Christ. What did Jesus say? Before I return, there's going to be a proliferation, an acceleration of false Christ claiming to be me, or claiming to be able to save or redeem. She said the Christ presented to us in New Age with a false Christ. A Course in Miracles gave us a phony Jesus. Here are some quotes from the so-called Jesus who supposedly visited Miss Schuchman. Are you ready? In A Course in Miracles, here's what Jesus supposedly said. There is no sin. Here's another one. A slain Christ has no meaning. Here's another one. Do not make the pathetic error of clinging to the old rugged cross. And then finally, the name of Jesus Christ is only a symbol, Jesus told Miss Schutman, for the many names of all the gods to which you pray. So according to Miss Schutman, Jesus told her, my name is only a symbol that you can use to pray to all the different gods you pray to. In other words, there's not one God, as the Bible says, but there are many, many gods to which you pray. It doesn't really matter. Pick your God. It's okay, as long as you're sincere. One well-known talk show host told her television audience that A course in Miracles was one of her favorite books and that she had already bought a 1,000 copies and would be handing them out to everyone in her studio audience. Her on-air endorsement skyrocketed a course in miracles to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Now watch this. A false Christ was literally brought into the living room of millions of people in one week through television and book sales. A false Christ saying, don't go to that cross. Don't turn to that blood. Don't, don't, don't just, don't think that his name is exclusively unique. Prayed to many different gods, and millions of Americans swallowed the Kool-Aid. Jesus said, beware of false Christs and false prophets. It will be a sign of the end. Now, one day, Jesus asked his disciples a very interesting question. He said, guys, I want to know, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they replied, and they said, well, Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah returned. Some say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, whatever. Now, what were they really saying there? What was the scuttlebutt out there in the world about Jesus? Here's what it was. He's just another man. Here's Jesus going around raising the dead, healing the sick, teaching like no man ever taught, but the scuttlebutt about him was that he was just another man. The world is did not know who he was. And guess what, church? The world today does not know who he is. Jesus then said, well, here's something I really want to know. Who do you say that I am? Now, if we don't know who he is, lock the doors, close up shop, go home and watch reruns of I Love Lucy till you die. Because if anybody ought to know who he is, it ought to be the person sitting next to you right now. He said, I want to know who do you say that I am. Now, we all know what happened. Simon Peter blurted out. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus just smiled ear to ear. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, why was... Why was Jesus so thrilled that Simon Peter got it? Because finally, one of his followers actually understood who they were following, who he really was. Recently here at the church, a counterfeit $10 bill showed up in our offering. Really did. Now, we don't believe the person who put it in there even knew they had it. And so if it was you or you think it was you, we're not here to get you today. (laughs) But do you know that the only way we knew that we had a counterfeit $10 bill is one of the tithe counters, one of the ladies that counts the money had so learned what a real one looks like that she spotted a fake the minute she held it. She even brought it to staff meeting and held it up and it looked just like a $10 bill to me. When she held it up, it looked like a $10 bill And and yet when she began to hand around, she said, now here's what you look for. See how it feels, and let me show you the things you look for to see the real thing. And this lady knew exactly what a real bill looked like, and because she knew what a real bill totally looked like, she was able to spot a fake. And so... Let me tell you, you know where I'm going with this, but I, I just I can't say it enough, and I want you to hear me well today. The more familiar you are with the real thing, the quicker you can spot a fake If anybody ought to know everything there is to know about Jesus Christ, we ought to know the red part of our Bible like the back of our hand. What did he say? How did he act? How did he treat people? What did he say about himself? What did he say about the future? We need to know the Word of God. We need to know Jesus Christ as well as we can know him because the better we know him, when a fake comes along, we say, you know what? This just doesn't pass the smell test. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. So when some man in Florida stands up and says, I'm Jesus, anybody that knows the word of God would say, hey, you're a false Christ, false prophet, imposter, false teacher. With Jesus' warning of false Christ and with false Christ and prophets on the rise, the church to whom Jesus' warning came must know the real thing good enough to spot a fake. Listen to the words of John. Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. How do we test the spirits? How do you test? What does that mean? What litmus test can I do that lets me know whether something is from God or from the enemy, from God or from flesh? How can I know? I'm going to tell you how by knowing what the real Jesus looks like and what the real Bible says. One home mission board has a two-phase test for a cult, and it's very simple. Do they have a different Bible? Do they have a different Jesus? Can we say that together? Do they have a different Bible, and do they have a different Jesus? I like that so much I'm going to try it one more time because we're putting our discerning antenna on now. Are you ready? Ready? Do they have a different Bible? Do they have a different Jesus? How do you know you're listening to a fake, a phony, a false Christ, prophet or teacher, minister? One sure way to know is that a false Christ, a false prophet or a false message always gets one thing wrong. Jesus. Always. They always have something wrong. They always marginalize Jesus. They always define Jesus down. They always take something away from who he is or what he did. For instance, you know, the Mormons teach that Jesus is the spirit brother of the devil. So I didn't know that. No, you didn't know that. You don't find that out till you get in. Do You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus died, but they deny he was God. They always take something away from him, always define him down, always marginalize him. The world at large says things like, well, Jesus was a nice guy. If you were to go out there and ask, who is Jesus? Well, he was a nice holy man. He was a great spiritual teacher. He was one of several great world religious leaders, and every one of them are completely wrong. Jesus was none of those things. Well, then who is he? Who's this Jesus that we all came together today to worship? Who is this one who changed our life? Who is this one we claim to follow? Well, can I tell you today, I'm gonna preach Jesus up a little bit. Jesus is the only begotten son of the living God. There is none other like him. Here's the truth about Jesus. He was born of a virgin after a supernatural, immaculate conception where the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and God was conceived in her womb. He lived a sinless life and he died on the cross for our sins and no one else did, ever did, or ever will. There is no other sacrifice for sin but the precious crimson blood that flowed down that old rugged cross. Jesus didn't just know God. And he didn't just speak for God. Jesus was God in flesh. Now, if you went out there and told people on the street that, they would say, I never heard that. Well, they never read the Bible. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was very God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, let me just put that in. Jeff terminology. Jesus was God with skin on him. When you looked in the eyes of Jesus, you were looking in the eyes of infinite God. When he spoke, you were listening to the voice of God. When you watched the way he loved people, dealt with people, handled people, and handled circumstances, and handled stress, and handled life, you were watching God He is the perfect mirror reflection of God the Father. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image. He is the full image of the invisible God. Jesus was the visible manifestation of the invisible God. He himself told Philip one day, he said, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now that's either the utterance of a paranoid, schizophrenic, delusional, psychotic individual, or that is the utterance of God, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Watch me, Philip. Study me, Philip. Because you're watching God move in flesh. He was active in the creation of the world. The Bible says all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. I'm going to read that again. All things were made through him all the beautiful birds of the air, all the massive creation of all the mammals and incredible creatures that are all over the planet, those glorious creations, all the marine life, all the stars in the universe, the sun, the solar systems, the endless space, all went through the fingers of Jesus Christ. God spoke it, Jesus amended, it, and the Holy Spirit executed it. What a Jesus we serve. And I want to tell you something else about Him. History isn't going to end with the devil or the flesh getting the glory. Uh, History isn't going to end with man. History is going to end with a trumpet that's going to blow. And this one that we just described is going to appear suddenly in the sky with all of the angels and saints with him. He is going to end the war of Armageddon with a blink of his eye. He's going to grab the devil by the throat and throw him into a burning hell. He's going to shut the door and shut him up forever. And then he's going to rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years in peace and glory. And the lion will lay down with the lamb and there will be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Can everybody say with me, Jesus is good. good. That's why we ought not be meek and timid or afraid to talk about him. Hey, he's the winner and not the loser, the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Now remember I said at the beginning that Jesus may not have only been referring to those who literally say, I am Christ. So follow me because I'm the one. But he could also have been warning about false ministers who use his name for their own gain. Notice his words again. I'm just going to quote Jesus. Many will come in my name saying I am Christ. Catch this, church. How can you be saying that you yourself are Christ if you've come in his name? So there's a double-pronged thing going on here. He's saying that there would come people who would claim to represent him. They would come in his name. Rather than assume his identity. So, another rendering of what Jesus meant in verses four and five could be this Take heed that no one deceives you, for many shall come claiming to represent me, saying that I, Jesus, am the Christ, yet they will deceive many. Grab on to the edge of your seat. I hope I don't pop your bubble. But I want you to know that not everybody that says they're a minister of Christ is a minister of Christ. That ought, be, that ought to be Christianity 101. Jesus is saying they would proclaim him as the biblical Messiah and would claim to be his representatives, but would actually contribute to huge deception before Christ returns. Jesus talked about these false prophets and false ministers calling them wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, look at what he said about them in Matthew 24. He said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, listen carefully, church. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. In other words, it's not what they say. It's how they live. It's not what they say. Oh, yeah, I'm a representative of Christ. No, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. What does that mean? That means you go beyond the words and you look at how they live. If they're doing the will, that means if they have truly been born again and they're seeking to follow Christ according to the clear teachings of the Word of God, they're real, not perfect, but real. Then he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied? Now that word from the Greek means preached or taught. Haven't we preached or taught in your name? Haven't we cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? In other words, they had gone around using the name of Jesus to bring about miracles. You say, how could that be, Pastor Jeff, if they're not real? Because there is power in the name of Jesus no matter what it comes out of. So these people had been out there using his name. But listen to what Jesus said. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now here's the key you're either doing the will of God, living a life, the life that Jesus told us to live in this book, not perfect, but sincere, yes. or you're living a lawless life, which indicates you've never been saved. Because lawlessness means. You live as if there were no consequences for wrong. These people, Jesus depicts, are think that they are above the law, that the rules don't apply to them. They think they have a special relationship with Jesus, but he ends up telling them, you have been gravely mistaken. You've wanted what you could get by using my name. And I'm going to tell you, church, I personally believe that these kinds of false ministers abound in America. They're often the most visible. They're often dominating the airwaves in the bookshelves. Some claim to represent Christ, but when you listen to them, you don't hear the gospel that Paul or Peter preached. I don't. I'm a simple guy. I just read my Bible. But here's my $10 bill. In other words, I know what this says. I know what the real thing looks like. I know what the real thing looks like. So when I hear somebody, my mind immediately goes to this and what I know of it, and I hold up what I'm hearing to what I know is in here. For instance, you can listen to some people. All you hear about is money. Now, I'm going to go where angels fear to tread, but you know what? I'm not going to answer to you. I'm going to answer to God. But you can turn them on at five after, 10 after, 15 after, 20 after, 20 after. And money, and money, 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 money. And it's almost like Christianity has been transformed into a fast track to the American dream. But do you know that Christianity has nothing to do with the American dream? Not anything to do with the American dream. Christianity is God's dream. And God's dream is that we would become like Jesus. But you hear him talking about money and materialism. To them, profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, seems to mean profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. You look at their lives. They live like movie stars, while the people that give them their money often live like paupers. Little old ladies sending in their Social Security checks. I'm not saying that's all of them, but it's a lot of them. It's almost like It's almost like charismatic indulgences. Now, you say, well, what's an indulgence? In the Middle Ages when the Catholic Church was strong and not just spiritually well not just religiously but politically in order to build their great big buildings they would send out people like Johann Tetzel Johann Tetzel would go into these little German towns with a with a tin cup and he would say put your money in and as soon as your money clangs in the bottom of this cup your loved ones are delivered from purgatory well for, number one there's no purgatory but number two it was a real quick way For a great building fund because people wanted their loved ones out of a purgatory that didn't exist so they dropped their money in and what were they doing they were buying blessings do you know that you don't have to buy a blessing let me tell you jesus paid it all all to him i owe So if you don't have a dime, you say, Jesus, please deliver me. Please help me. Please provide for me. It's on the way because you don't get provided for because you bought it. You get provided for because he bought it. And that's just one example. You know, I, I look and I go, I know God blesses. Hey, we need financial blessing. Some of you saw that cross when you came in. Do you see that cross out there? I'm so glad to have a cross out there finally. But we have a beautiful cross. It's like 40 feet high, made of white stone. And we can't put it up in the front because we can't put a portico share out there. We can't put a portico share out there because we've got those ugly wooden power poles. And you know what the power company wants for us to get rid of those poles? $70,000. So I'm believing God for a selective tornado. (laughs) <laughs> to come along and just dip down and shoop and pull up those things. But if that doesn't happen, I believe in God to provide it and get rid of those things because then we're going to put in a portico share. We're going to build up the front of the building and right smack in the middle is this big, beautiful, tall, white stone cross. It'll come. I know God blesses. But that's not the gist of the gospel. The gist of the gospel is, has not God made the poor of this world rich in faith? Lots of money does not mean you have lots of faith. Put another way, faith does not necessarily equate into money. Godliness doesn't necessarily equate into stuff. I've known very godly people who had very little money, but I've known corrupt people who had more money than they knew what to do with if you want to know somebody's faith gauge how much love joy peace long-suffering gentleness meekness kindness and faith they have because that means they're abiding in the vine and walking with jesus and crucifying their flesh and bringing forth fruit to the glory of god that's the evidence of faith Paul wrote of these types who say it's all about money. He said, people who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. From such, withdraw yourself. I believe that if the gospel you preach won't preach in a third world country, it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. False Christ, false prophets, false ministers will all step heavily onto the world stage. Just before the return of Christ, we must know the real thing, church, so that we can stand up and present a real Christ that can really save. Jesus said, If you don't know the real thing well enough, they'll deceive, if possible, even the elect. Watch out, said Jesus. See, I've told you beforehand. Can we stand together today? How many of you are thankful for Jesus? Isn't Jesus good? Isn't God good? Father, we just thank you right now for the Lord Jesus Christ, for your glory, your peace. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to walk in deception. We don't have to be a sucker for a false Christ or a false prophet or a false minister. Help us to know your word and know Jesus like that lady knew the $10 bill. In Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, I want to ask a question. Do you know the real Christ as the real Jesus living in your heart? And maybe you used to walk with him closely, but you've drifted. It could be you were lured away by some false teaching, some false Christ, and it left you disillusioned. Maybe even shattered. I wanna invite you to come back. I wanna invite you to come to the real Christ who died on a cross for you. And he's coming back again to receive you to himself. I wanna pray for you today. We've seen God move in so many people's lives. I wish I had time to tell you all the testimonies we've been receiving. People whose lives have been changed because they plugged into the real Christ the Savior God wants to bless you today if you're not where you ought to be with him I wouldn't get into a car and get on the highway until I had made it right so with your heads bowed if you can say Pastor Jeff I'll let you pray with me I want to pray with you I I need prayer I I want to give him my all in a fresh way today Or maybe even for the first time today. I believe God's going to bless you. If you can say, that's me, Pastor Jeff, would you raise your hand? And I want to pray with you today in Jesus' name. Let me see you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to pray with you right now. Now let's pray this together. Say with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin. I believe you're the living Savior. I turn to you in faith, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name. Forgive me. Fill me with your Spirit. And I give you my life fully from this moment forward. Thank you, Lord. Now lift a hand to him and say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. Right now, fill me with your Spirit.